Do y'all know that Andrew passed his licensure exam? That man has been studying for months. He's taken, he's understood an outline of all 66 books of the Bible and had to be tested on any single one of those, like Obadiah. Who's even read the book of Obadiah before? There you go, a few of you. Exactly. That's my point exactly. That's a huge deal. Good job, man. That is awesome. Um, how are you all tonight? Good. Good. Great. Anyone great? Yeah? Hey, I like great. That's pretty cool. Um, what, coming in tonight, has you... Oh, sad. What has you coming in tonight angry? What has you coming in tonight uh, maybe great, happy? What has you coming in tonight excited? What are you tonight sitting there worried about? Right, all of us we probably might I may not hit you in all those examples, but we've all come in here you know, with something on our minds. And it, it may not be something worthy of our fear, our attention, um, or truly even of our true excitement. It might be a good thing, but we might be looking at it for the wrong reason. So whatever it is that you come in here tonight, I want to ask is, man, is, it, is that what I was, I don't know, created for? to go through this, to experience, to feel this, to see this, uh, to be struggling with this, to enjoy this? Or is, there, or is there something more? Something more than I have been created for? Um, there's the short, uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, also something Andrew was tested on. Um, the first question is this, what is the chief end of man? Anyone know the answer? What's your name? Oh, sorry, not you, Brett, the girl who raised her hand. Hi, Lillian. You know the answer? Let's hear it. To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Good job, Brett. Yeah, you too. I'm Garrison. Nice to meet you, man. Good job, Lillian. Thank you. Um, what is the chief end of man? It is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. The, the purpose that you sit here in this room today, the purpose that you walk this earth is that you would glorify God and that you would enjoy him forever. That is, a, that is our chief end. If you were to have a purpose to strive after something, it is that, is to glorify God and is to enjoy him forever. That needs to go off. It's my daughter crying in her room. Um, notification. Her baby mother. Yeah. Um, that is her whole purpose. And I had a really good question I was going to ask, and then that distracted me. Um, that question was this: What? What is like? Seems more important to you than? Just trying to fit in where you are. New school, maybe you're new to middle school, maybe you're new to high school. Maybe some of your friends moved away, you're in new classes, new people, don't know them. 
is like the most important thing that you probably stress about sometimes, just simply fitting in. Do you struggle with just feeling kind of alone? Well, on the outside, an outcast. That can be so much of the focus of your teenage years. There's so much that can be held up as the most important thing to pursue. Sports, grades, academics, what school you're getting into, how many extracurriculars you're involved in, how many service hours you've done. Are you also involved in church? How many friends do you have? Are you doing all of the things? And do you have to do all of that just to simply fit in? What if I told you it's, it's maybe biblical, not to use this language, but maybe biblical to not fit in? What if it is biblical to be an outsider? Someone on the outside looking in. doesn't use those words, but in Hebrews 11, verses 9 through 16, we're going to read tonight, it uses these words. That we are to view ourselves in this world as sojourners and exiles. Everywhere you walk, middle school, high school, sports team, every single class, whatever friend group you go between, whoever you encounter, Wherever you go next for school, in your job, we are to view this world as if we actually are outsiders, that we actually don't belong, that we are actually was known as sojourners and exiles, people who are just wandering through until they get home. So let's learn a little bit more about these sojourners and exiles. If you'll turn with me to Hebrews 11. Verses 8 through 16. It says this, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He was cozy at home. And then a voice calls to him, a voice he does not know calls to him. And he leaves the comfort of everything he knows and just walks away because he was promised something. He didn't know quite yet what he was promised, but he believed this voice. He believed God who spoke to him. And by faith, he went out, not knowing where he was going. Verse 9, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, literally just saying Abraham was way too old, he was just about dead, and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. 
Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can hold it up and we can come to it and it can tell us how things are. That we don't come to your word and tell you how things are. Lord, I thank you that I'm not in control of all of this. I thank you that my friends in the room aren't in control of all of this. We'd be terrible gods. We'd be terrible at deciding what is true. But Lord, in your word, we get to see what is true. Like I said, we get to hold our lives up to it and say, man, am I living according to what is true? So Lord, do that tonight. As we look to your word, would we assess our own lives and, and, and see, hey, this is true. But where am I living? And Lord, if, if we're living in something that's outside of the truth, would you cause us to turn? By your grace and your mercy and your patience and your love for us, would you stir in our hearts to turn from living not in your ways and to start walking in your ways? Do this as only you can through your spirit and through your word. Amen. Amen. So here we have Abraham, uh, Father Abraham, the many sons, many sons, Father Abraham, I'm one of them. Sorry, I missed a lot of words there, but Father Abraham, okay? Um, this guy was just chilling out in the land of Ur, say Ur, worshiping gods who were not gods. Uh, Ur, exactly. So a Abraham from Ur, the neighborhood, um, great little community, uh, worshiping gods who were not gods. And he hears this voice, like I said. It calls him and says, hey, I have a land of promise for you. He's like, okay, cool, let's go. Just packs up everything. Family, all of it, leaves it all behind. Everything's ever known. I'm just going to go wander off into this strange land that the strange voice is promising me. It seems like a good idea, right? That's why it says by faith. By faith, without even knowing where he was going, he knew who it was that was spoken to him. And then he knew that the gods that he, that were not gods that he and his family had worshipped for centuries, man, they did not compare to this God that he had encountered. And he is worthy of following. He's worthy of leaving everything for it. So that's the first example we see. Abraham just says, cool, I'm out. And he follows the Lord wherever it is that the Lord leads. He says he doesn't even know where he's going. He went out to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land. Okay, here's a place... He does not know. He is not a resident of it. That's how he sees it. He goes out and lives in this land of promise. So here's the land that God had given to him, but it's still a foreign land. And what does he live in? Does he take the land of promise and does he stake down a foundation in roots and try to build a civilization? What is he living in? A what? A tent. Sounds long-lasting, right? No. So we see, we see how it is that he's approaching even the following of the Lord into this promised land. He's not planting down permanent roots. He sees himself as just camping. They're living in tents. Because he, he, he knows, man, there is something more even than this promised land that this God has given me. It says, for he was looking forward to what? A city with what? 
foundations from who? Who the designer and builder is God. There is a place. He doesn't know exactly where it is. But he knows that, that, yes, this land was promised. But man, there is something more. There is a permanent city with its foundations whose designer and builder is God. That is what I'm looking forward to. So while I'm on my way there, guess what? I live in tents. I know wherever it is I go, as I wander until I get to that city, I'm a sojourner, I'm an exile, I'm just a traveler. And I live in tents. Why? Because they're mobile. I can pick up and go, where's the Lord leading now? I'm going to go there. You know why? Because I'm pretty sure he's marching me on toward that city. He was looking forward, he said. Not here. He was looking forward. He knew something better was coming. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, right? Just God fulfilling these promises. They're seeing how good he is, why it is that he's worthy of trusting. Then it says, they all died in faith, though. They were looking forward to the city, but they all died in faith, not having received these promises, not having shown up at that city with its foundations, whose builder is God. But they saw them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. They believed so much in the promises of God that there was something better than everything around that they saw. It says that they got to see it and greet it from afar. That was how strong their faith was. That they looked out in the brokenness of the world and they realized this. This is not our end. This is not what we were made for. Therefore, everything I see around me, I know it's this. It is temporary. But man, there's a city with foundations whose designer and builder is God. And we are heading to that place. So right now, I'm not holding on to this place. What am I? I'm a sojourner. I'm just passing through. I'm in exile. I don't have a country of my own here because it's forward. It's out there. God has promised it to me and he's, he's making it happen. But it says they died without having received these things. Man, what faith. What faith. The, the, behold the things of God, not the things of earth. To behold the things of God, not the things of earth. It sounds so much like the words of Colossians 1. Where we set our minds? Colossians 1. Where does it say that? Or Colossians 2, verse 1. Where does it say to set our minds? On the things above, not where? The things below. We are to set our minds on the things above, not the things below. And he so saw what God had that he refused Abraham, his family, his descendants. What kept them going was seeing what God was going to bring. It made living here bearable, <laughs> enjoyable. Is it just sometimes hard to be a middle schooler? Is it just sometimes hard to be a high schooler? Is it just hard sometimes 
the consistent struggles you have with the same thing over and over again, seeing the same broken things over and over again, dealing with the same sad things over and over again. How are you viewing these things? Are these your end? Or are you able to look forward to a city with its foundations, understanding that this is not what God has made us for, but this is what he is rescuing us from, a world that has been broken and fractured by sin. Thanks be to God that the world we know is not the end. But friends, we have a better hope. That's why it says this. I I love these words. For the people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. If you understand these things, I'm looking forward to a city with its foundations. I'm living in tents here. I see myself as a sojourner in exile. That is language of people who this, who understand. I'm still seeking home because it's not here. It's somewhere else. If they had been thinking of that from which they had gone out, they would have an opportunity to return. See, if he thought the land of Ur would have satisfied, would have been it, he would have just gone back. But no, he stayed there in this random land in his tent, looking forward to the city. Why? But as it is, they desire a better country. I could have gone back. I could have gone back to the gods who are not gods, but here's the problem. I've been introduced to the God and creator of the universe. Now, I have a problem. I have a burning desire in me that says the land of Ur is not it. This earth is not it. I have a burning desire in me that says there is a better country out there. What type of one? A heavenly one. There's a better country out there. A heavenly one. This is the language of a sojourner. This is the language of an exile. Somebody who has seen, as C.S. Lewis says, this is an amazing quote. He says, if you look out into this world and do not find a desire that can satisfy you, the only conclusion can be that you are satisfied by a desire that is of another world. If there is no desire, or no, there's, yeah, there's a desire you have in this life that cannot be satisfied, the only logical conclusion is, is that your desire is not wrong. But what is going to satisfy that desire is of another world, a better country, a heavenly one. And that's C.S. Lewis trying to rationalize why is this world always just falling a little short of satisfying? Why? Or chief end of man. We were made to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. And he is meant to be enjoyed in perfection. We can enjoy him now, yes, but this world is still marred by sin. It is still stained by sin. Yes, Jesus has died for your sin, and he has raised you to life out of it. You can turn from that sin and live a new life in Jesus. But you're Mom still has cancer. Your younger sibling still died too young. 
There's brokenness in this world that leaves us hungering for home. Hungering for a desire that cannot be satisfied because it's one that is not of this world. This is the language of sojourners and exiles. And friends, we are called to do that. Not just in how it is that we hold and value things here, but more importantly, how it is that we live our lives. We live our lives in ways that speak of the hope of that city with foundations whose builder and designer is God, a better country than the one we are in. So we turn to one of my other favorite passages um, around this language, and that is 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2, if you can flip over to that. It is a little bit to the right of Hebrews. It says 1 Peter 2, verse 10, or verse 11. He goes on to say, Beloved, I urge you, I, friends, I urge you today as sojourners and exiles, having this mindset that this earth is not our home, but a better country is ahead and waiting for us. I urge you, sojourners and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul which wage war against your soul. Which wage war against your soul. Do you, do you feel like you are at a war with the things that tempt you, with the pressures of your life? What is it all trying to do? Hebrews also says that sin weighs us down and keeps us from running the race with endurance. So it says, do what? Lay aside that sin and all that weight that keeps us from running. What is all of that trying to do? The passions of the flesh. It's trying to weigh you down. It's trying to keep your mind and your eyes down here. Only right here. So that you can't see things that are above. That are with Christ. That you can only see right here. That the passions of your flesh, your sin, so consume you that it becomes your life. It becomes your addiction. It has a hold on you. That's why sin is so accompanied with the idea of slavery and chains and bondage. It's keeping you down. It's keeping you in a country that is not your home. It's keeping you from marching on to the city with foundations whose designer and builder is God. Friends, if you were to live as soldiers and exiles, I urge you, as it says, abstain, as in put off the passions of the flesh, which right now are waging a war against your soul, trying to keep you trapped in a land that you don't belong to. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to show us that this world is not for us. 
Jesus came as the truest sojourner, the truest exile. God, the eternal God, traveled so far outside of himself that he put on flesh that he himself became human. And he wandered this earth in a form that was not his own. It was what he had created. And he stepped in to a world of sin that he himself does not know at all. And it says that Jesus was without sin for his entire life because God cannot sin. Here's Jesus, the truest sojourner, the truest exile. God himself come in the flesh into the middle of a world of sin. Clearly, this is not where God lives permanently. But what happens to him? That weight that has been carrying all of us down, saying this is where you live. He took that weight and he bore it on his shoulders. He carried it up to the cross. And he experienced the absolute worst that this earth that is not our home has to offer. And it is that moment that he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he received silence. It says that the father turned his face away from the son and could not look upon him in his sin. Jesus experienced for us the worst that this world has to offer. And that is a moment where God turns his back on us. And we have no hope of leaving this world that has us weighed down, that is not our true home. And we don't have an escape to get out and march on to that city. But thanks be to God that Jesus experienced that for us. And he rose from the grave in victory that we now know that our, the road to that city, man, that, that, that path has been paid for us by Jesus' blood, that we are not stuck in the weight of that sin. But we can say, no, 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 I am free. I am free of those passions of the flesh. I'm free of the, the weight of that temptation. I'm free of the weight of that sin. And man, I can pick up my hiking pack and I can start my camping journey. I can start walking on freely to that city, that better country, that heavenly place. I can lay aside what the world says is important. I can lay aside the silly things that my classmates are preoccupying their thoughts with. I can lay aside the pornography that says, man, my pleasure now is all that I need. Because you know there's a better country. You know, as it says in Psalm 16, man, there are pleasures at his right hand forevermore. The joy you are seeking, the desire you need fulfilled in you, it is found where? It's in the presence of God. 
and we get there only through Jesus who exiled into our world to show us this ain't our world, that we might join him as an exile, that we might join him as a sojourner and realize we've been made for so much more. True worshipers of God are made for so much more to glorify him and to enjoy him forever in the ways that we live our life. You know what's so cool about this? That's one of my favorite things in the Old Testament. God tells Israel, hey, I've given you your law, my law, for this reason. I want you to look funny to everyone around you. I want everyone to look at Israel, God's people, and say, that is a wise and discerning people. They must have an awesome God. Yo, how strange would it be if you were the one kid in your school not fretting about the upcoming exams? What if you were the one kid not joining in on the crowd that is picking on that one kid for something so silly as maybe what they're wearing or something that they can't help because puberty is awkward and you're going to grow out of it, right? These silly temporary things that we all hold on to or think are the absolute world, you are being weighted down. You're being lied to that this is what you were made for. What God has called us to do as sojourners and exiles is to walk in every situation and to be that person that sticks out like a sore thumb so that everyone else would be like, what's different about that? Hey, I'm so bogged down by this world. They, they seem light as a feather. They actually laugh. They actually experience joy. And they're, they're dealing with the same hard things. Like, my parents are going through a divorce too, but they seem to have a calmness and peace, a wisdom. Where's that coming from? This is what it is to live as a sojourner in exile. Someone who has said, no, no, the ways of this world, they're not for me. But God has said, those are my ways. And like Abraham, without even having received them fully yet, I'm going to walk in faith towards them believing that promise. And along the way, I'm going to see how good he's been. Abraham saw how good God was all along the way. And he never got to the finish end on this life. You, we may not see the finish line in this life. But guys, how are you looking in faith? Picking up your tent and walking wherever the Lord is leading. By faith, now the weight of sin, abstaining from the passions of the flesh, looking forward to your heavenly Are you living in a way that has the people around you saying, wherever he's going, wherever she's going, I'd like to follow out. They're talking of a different world. 